You're listening to a Richwood Church podcast. And I'm so thankful that you're here this morning. And as we continue to talk about the book of Acts, we see that the Apostle Paul was out and about evangelizing all of the time. And he had gone on three missionary journeys as recorded in the book of Acts. His first journey started in the town of Antioch, where the church sent he and Barnabas out to do mission work. But they were immediately confronted by opposition, first by Jewish legalists and then by a sorcerer. But we learned that God always wins, that Christ has victory over darkness. And that's really encouraging in this time in which we live. And the church, even though it was being opposed, continued to multiply. And then following this big meeting called the Jerusalem Council that we've talked about where it was decided that Gentiles and Jews have equal access to the gospel through faith, it was time for Paul to go out and do more missions work. And this trip would be full of confrontation. This trip would be full of miracles and multiplication. But here's the thing. Every time the gospel goes forth, evil will follow. Satan will oppose. And we see this happening again, but every single time, the power of God wins. And so in your own journey, as you decide you're going to be a Christian that makes a difference, that you want to be used by God in whatever sphere of influence he has put you in, you need to know that you're going to come upon confusing situations and scary situations and despairing situations but that God will always be with you. And so this morning, we're going to see, even in the dungeon of a Philippian prison, where it seemed that all was lost, God still did miracles, and multiplication happened. And that's the series we're in, in the book of Acts. It's called Courageously Multiply. And we're discovering the amazing power of God and the importance of bringing the love of Jesus to the world. So if you have your Bible, your phone, or tablet, I want you to turn, if you would, to Acts chapter 16, and we're going to begin in verse 16. Acts 16, verse 16. Now, I would love to have you bring your Bibles to church with you. We can't provide them during COVID. If you bring your Bible, make notes in it, bring it home, meditate over it, read through the book of Acts, and get a handle on the whole context of the book. And, of course, it's available on the screen for you as well. So, it had been a decade since the first missionary journey. And now Paul was heading out again, and he's taking Timothy with him. He's taking Silas with him. Luke has been along with him chronicling this book of Acts. Timothy is his protege. Paul's mentoring him. Silas is this important leader in the church that has been on trips with both Paul and Peter. And as they were starting out, Luke makes this note in verse 5 in chapter 16. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. The church was multiplying. It was growing. And that decision that was made in Jerusalem to open the doors for Gentiles to come into the church was massive, and we're seeing the results of that now. Multiplication was happening in a big way. But now it was time to go back out 
and fulfill the Lord's command to go to the ends of the earth. These men were evangelists. They're incredible examples for us that we are to be about the business of bringing people to Christ. Now, we aren't all full-time ministry workers, but we are all in ministry, no matter what sphere of influence God has placed us in. And so we're going to learn a lot from these men as we go along. And I want to tell you about this journey, this second missionary journey. And if you can just take a look at this map, it'll give you some context for where we are. So this trip started down here in Caesarea, which is this beautiful seaport just to the north of Jerusalem. Paul was actually tried here in this city. And the Holy Spirit told them not to go to Asia. So what they did is they headed here all the way up to Macedonia, and they ended up here in Philippi, way up here on the top right. And a lot of things happened in Philippi. In Philippi, Paul exercised a demon from a slave girl. It was here that a woman named Lydia was saved. And we also know that Philippi was likely Luke's hometown where he got his medical degree. And so he was really familiar with that area. And then there was this incredible shaking of a jail to free God's people. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning in just a moment. So as the trip went on, they, they advanced here to Thessalonica, and in Thessalonica, Paul ran into an angry mob. He was kicked out of Berea, and then over here in Corinth, joining the fray was two Christian leaders, a husband and wife named Priscilla and Aquila. They became strong Christian leaders. Paul was was mocked in Athens, but guess what? Luke says that many were still saved. And then we go to Ephesus and all the way down here back home. It was a long trip, 3,000 miles in 100 days. And in that time, that's a long way to go in a short period of time. So these were very busy men. And so every event that Luke recorded was important. Every part of this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But I want to take you today to Philippi, where you're going to see an amazing moment of multiplication that happens through the power of God. So Luke's historical record of this event began when the missionaries run into a young slave girl who made money from her owners telling fortunes. And if you look at 16, verses 16 through 18, you'll see this account beginning to play out. And you'll see what happens when they encounter her. Because the problem here is that she was owned by these men. She was, had a spirit in her, but Paul was able to discern. And we start here in verse 16. As we, and notice the reference we, Luke is using a lot of those kind of terms because he's right there with them the whole time. As we were going to the place of prayer... We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much pain, or much gain rather, by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this kept going on. This kept going on for days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, 
I can see Paul quickly being annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. So Paul had this power behind him. And here's the first point I want to make regarding being an effective Christian in this culture. And as you're out there trying to win people for Christ, here's the first point. In order to be a courageous multiplier, listen to and recognize evil and then crush it. Don't let it linger. Don't let it follow you around. Turn around and use the power of Christ to crush it. And I'll explain how in just a moment. Now, when I talk about multiplication, here's what I mean by that word in a church context. I mean personally that you and I should be out there doing our thing, shining a light for Christ, waiting for opportunities, and multiplying the church, adding souls to the church. From a church context, multiplication should be happening all over the place with leaders, with volunteers, with attendants, and and multiplying churches, creating new churches. But evil will always be there. Satan is always going to attack the work of God. And so you can crush that evil by the power of Christ who is in you. And this girl was demon-possessed. She was exploited by her owners. They wanted simply to make money off of her fortune-telling. And given that this was a highly idol-worshiping culture... There's no doubt that some saw her as having a voice of one of their false gods. And interestingly enough, as she followed the men around, she was actually shouting truth. If you look at verse 17, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Well, that's true. But it was Satan's methodology to distract and confuse because the apostles weren't able to do the ministry that God had called them to. So Paul had had enough and finally just commanded that evil spirit to come out of her. And this is how Satan does it. He he masquerades as something godly and worthwhile. And he uses good and worthwhile things to steal our hearts. And when I open my Bible in the morning to do my devotions, there's a question that I have labeled that's very simple to start the whole process, and that is, have I given my heart to something besides God? Satan masquerades as light, and it takes discernment. It's hard to recognize, but here, Paul recognized the Spirit for what it was, and he took immediate action. He knew the power of Christ would win the day. So his words, I command you in the name of Christ to come out of her, show that he knew that when he just invoked the name of Jesus, he would have victory. And so when you're coming up against evil forces in your own life, when when you feel like you're stuck, when you feel like Satan is winning the day. Invoke the name of Jesus. Because there's power in that name. And we're seeing it right here. Sometimes we forget to do that. We, we, we go about all of our different patterns and our strategies. And we call our friends and we go on Facebook and all this stuff. 
just invoke the name of Jesus. And so we can have victory, and, and, but you need to stay attuned to God. And here's how you do that. Here's how you develop the power of discernment in your life. You read the Bible regularly because the Word of God is the Holy Spirit-inspired letter to you. You need to become familiar with it. The more you read it, the more you'll be able to discern darkness from light. You pray regularly. You learn to open your heart up to God. You learn to listen to God. You learn to, to have your spirit checked by God so that you can act in a godly way. And so when you come upon evil, something inside of you, there's a hitch in your spirit that comes by spending time with God and by living in community with other believers. There's nothing better than a, a mature believer sitting you down and saying, what that is is not godly. Or, conversely, no, I think you're reading that wrong. I think you can go ahead and do this. And I would implore you, I would implore you to keep in contact with each other during COVID. Community group leaders, I am begging you to keep in contact with your groups. If you have to do it by Zoom, I know everybody's Zoomed out. But we're in a spike and we need to keep these relationships going. Do it by text. Do it by email. Do it by Zoom. Whatever you have to do, we need each other to live in community. Because this is how we begin to learn how to discern darkness and light. And even though this young girl was proclaiming truth, Paul saw it as a clear methodology by Satan to distract. And so in order to be a courageous multiplier, learn to recognize evil, don't mess around with it, crush it, and move on. Now, that doesn't mean Satan's just going to lie down. And it's a process, but you have the power, not Satan. You are the believer. You are the one who has Christ in you. You are the one who is a child of the king of the universe. You're the one that, that is following the person that Colossians tells us created these evil entities for his own glory. So why would we think that Satan has the upper hand? But I know I get caught in these patterns where I think he has won the day. And I have to remind myself of these truths. When we act in the power of Christ, we can win. Now, for the missionaries, back to the missionaries in Acts, the trouble had just started. And it would take a miracle to get them off the hook. So look at verses 19 through 24. But when her owners saw that their hope for gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. By the way, that's not even true because these were Roman citizens, the missionaries. 22, the crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. Now, how many of us would be willing to stand for Christ and be beaten with rods? And in 23, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison 
and fastened their feet in stocks. This is not the prosperity gospel. These men were following God, obeying God, doing what God had called them to do, and they're being beaten with rods, and they're put in prison. And so here they are in this jail. This is now is the, this is Philippi. This is the traditional site for the jail. This is likely the jail itself. Now, if you look at this, you can see that there's not a lot of amenities here. You know, it's not, I don't think they had television. Probably didn't have Meals on Wheels. You know, that kind of stuff. Probably no computers. What they had was a dark, gloomy dungeon where they were put in stocks, where their feet were put in these things that fastened them and then would cause as much pain as possible. So they, they could have thought to themselves, it's over. We are stuck. There, there's no way out of this. And when, when you're out there with a heart to bring the message of Christ to the world, you're going to run into times when you feel like you're stuck. You're going to run into times when you feel that darkness is one. But here's the second point I want to make to you. In order to be a courageous multiplier, trust the power of God and don't give in to despair. That gloomy prison was rife with despair. I mean, can you imagine? But the power of God was still working and is still working. Don't give in to despair. And I'm just going to say this. We need to be checking on each other and really be concerned about mental health right now. In the past two months, suicide has risen by 200% in America. Don't give in to despair. Even though it seems that darkness is hovering around you. Now, it was illegal for Roman citizens to be treated this way. But it didn't matter. The, The stocks were put on their legs. They had more than one hole for each leg. So they could just continue to spread their legs out and cause incredible pain. But the jailer didn't care. The jailer was simply there to make sure they didn't escape. He was likely a retired Roman soldier. We know how merciful they were. He wasn't in the business of having empathy. And so here are our missionaries out there to win the world. And where do they find themselves? In the dungeon of a Philippian prison overseen by a Roman guard in incredible pain. And they must have complained and they must have whined away and they must have had a self-pity party. No, you know what they did? They sang. They sang. And we were teasing a little back there. I would love to hear Paul sing. Now, I, don't, I, don't, I, I only know a little bit about the man from what I read here, but I'm guessing he probably didn't carry a tune. That doesn't sound like Paul to me, does it to you? But here they were shouting out some song, probably a psalm. And while they were doing that, the miracle happened. Look at 16, 25 through 26. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake, 
so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Wow, what a moment that must have been. Delivered from the despair of being in that prison. Jesus' followers, we can find joy even in the darkest times. These missionaries are just like you, they're just like me. And here they were, singing praises to God. Finding peace in their relationship with God. I know for me, on some of my darkest times, after our son Taylor died, there were just terribly dark nights. And I remember listening to music, focusing on Christ, and the peace of God would just come over me in a way that I can't really even explain. But this is a promise that the peace of God will guard our hearts. And Paul wrote about this in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, there's no question that we live in a time that is, so, is surreal in many ways. But there's a promise in Scripture, just like what God did for those men that were in that dungeon, that the peace of God will guard you. When you are struggling with what's happening in America, when you don't recognize it anymore, the peace of God will guard you. When COVID threatens you, the peace of God will guard your heart. When your health is failing, the peace of God will guard you. When you're having marital problems, financial problems, when you're struggling with any issue that might be dogging you, relational breakage, the peace of God will guard you. This is a promise that's made in Scripture. And so we don't have to live with anxiety that rules our hearts. We don't have to live in fear that rules our hearts. We don't have to live in hatred that rules our hearts. We don't have to live in bitterness that rules our hearts because the Bible is clear that as followers of Christ, the peace of God will guard your heart. And this is really an important this is, this is really an important truth if we want to defeat evil and crush it because we have to allow that peace. We have to open ourselves up to it. And that's what happened here. Paul and Silas are abiding in Christ and somehow they were so attuned to God that they could sing. And then the miracle happened. The earthquake shook. The foundations freed them. The, the foundations were rocked. Their chains came off and changed everything. And God did that. They didn't give in to despair. I'm sure they weren't happy about their predicament. I'm sure they weren't thinking inside, this is fantastic. I mean, we just left this beautiful seaside town of Caesarea, and here we are in this dungeon. I'm sure that you know, probably wasn't their thought process, but what was their thought process is our God is so great, and so powerful, that this circumstance is not going to define who I am. And so they sang. And God came through. The power of God was at work. And he will help you identify 
the times when you need just to give yourself to him because peace is available. So I just want to just encourage you to cling to him, to spend time with him. I want to encourage you to, to let him whisper hope to you because he does love you. And he is, he is your peace, not circumstances, not new political parties, not any of that. And now that this amazing miracle has happened, I want you to see what happens to the jailer in 27 through 30. Because this whole thing is like a scene from Mission Impossible. I mean, the, the whole thing has fallen apart. The, 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 everybody's free. And the event triggered the hope of salvation in the heart of a hardened Roman prison guard. Look at 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He knew that he would find no mercy if these prisoners escaped. So he was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we're all here. They didn't run out. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, This question is profound. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Amazing. Imagine being there. More multiplication was about to happen in the dark despair of a Philippian jail. And for you, I want you to remember this, that a courageous multiplier trusts God to open doors. Literally, he opened doors in this case. And, and these men had no part in that. It was God's miracle. If you look at 31 through 34, it describes a miraculous ending that led to the kingdom multiplying. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took, the, he took them the same hour of the night. He didn't wait till morning and wash their wounds. This is that hardened Roman soldier. And he was baptized at once, he and his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. I don't even know how to expound on that. I mean, the gospel is so powerful. It's so simple. How do I be saved? Believe in the Lord and you will be saved. And so how about you? Are you playing the game of church? Are you, are, you, are you trying to be religious? Are you trying to please God by your works? Or have you simply done what the apostles said to do? Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Salvation is a gift. It comes through belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to earth who died on a cross to pay the penalty for sin, 
a substitutionary death. And when you believe in that and repent of your own sin, then you are saved. This jailer went from wanting to kill himself to setting food out before the apostles the same night. That's what God can do. And and Paul and Silas were used by by God. They, They were obedient for sure. But they're not the ones that caused the earthquake. They're not the ones that caused the doors to swing open. They didn't keep the other prisoners from escaping. Part of this miracle is that they were all still there. God did that. They weren't weren't responsible for readying the man's heart. God did that. And so, this is the kind of things that God does. He opens doors and he just asks you and me to walk through them. When they're open already. And, And so, the gospel is so simple. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Don't get tongue tied. Don't try to do apologetics. When you have an opportunity, keep the message simple. All you need to do, friend, is believe in Jesus and you will be saved. I remember I was on a plane with a, with a man who worked at the University of Arizona while I was doing broadcasting. and we, were at the, we had these long flights, which was awesome because they're stuck with me for an entire flight. And so he... He was, he was pushing back. I kept saying to him, no, this isn't complicated. You just need to believe in Jesus and be saved. And he kept pushing back. No, there must be more to it than that. There must be something I have to do. That seems too loose. I said, that's called grace. But sometimes we want to make it more complicated than it really is. There is incredible power in the gospel. It needs nothing more than to be introduced. And in this missionary journey, that's what was happening. And, and, and they had run into their share of opposition already. They had been left really for dead after being beaten by rods in a prison. And they sang and God intervened. And so when you're out there in your journey, and you run into these kinds of issues, and you will, you run into times in your life that are heartbreaking and despairing. But I want you to remember that God is still with you. He loves you. God desires that people around you be saved. And so I want you to remember that there's always hope. And I want you to always also remember that multiplication is a wonderful thing. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.